0: was covered with more bees than usual so I ran outside in my pajamas to see what was going on. A swarm of bees that I caught the night before was leaving their hive and swarming again. I tried to offer their new hive back to them but they weren't moving in very quickly which told that they wanted to go somewhere else. It was a race between me and the bees. I had to find the queen before the bees found a place to fly off to. After a few minutes, I found her. I put her in a clip to keep her safe, but before I could put her in the new hive, I had bees swarming to her in my hand. As soon as I put the queen in the hive, the bees began to go right in. I still had some bees on my hand who weren't leaving because they could still smell their queen on me. So I shook them off so they could find her. Within minutes, the entire colony was rushing to get back into their new hive. You can see how fast they were moving and how the queen was covered in bees. I waited for all the bees to get into their hive, and it was another great day of saving the bees in my pajamas.
1: This is one of my favorite social media accounts to follow. Why? Because I want hope and joy in my life. Something I decided the last year is I am just exhausted by anything that is just bringing more cynicism and more critique and more hate into the world. And I've tried unfollowing as much as humanly possible. So I watch a lot of dinosaur videos. I watch a lot of baseball videos with my kids, and then I watch a lot of B-Work because, you know, I'm looking for a good time. But one of the things that I'm interested in about her account and when I've heard her on some podcasts is what's apparent to me is that she is living a life where you can tell she's living the life that she actually desires. And I find that interesting I don't know about you, but I've known influencers, I know all kinds of other people, and I know sometimes even in myself, I can put up a story online that's not the real story of who I am or what's going on, and what I love about this is this is somebody who is passionate about bees, my friends, that bees are here to save the world, that we need bees for what it means to be human and for this planet, and she gives her entire being to the bees. (laughs) It's her life's desire. And when I think about the words of Jesus and why Jesus said that he came, he says, I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. Jesus didn't say, I have come to convert everyone to Christianity that they may understand Christian nationalism and say a prayer at the next crusade. He does not say that. Jesus does not come and say, I have come that you may never have to go to hell. Jesus does not say that. Jesus says, I have come to share with you a good news about this kingdom of God, a different reality that's open to every single human being and that you may have life and life to the fullest, that whatever is your bees, may you have it, may you live it. This is the life. God wants to bring you into this kingdom, and that's what we're talking about today. I've had like five people over the last couple weeks come to me and ask me this question, even someone this morning of, where are we going this year at New Abbey? And where we're going this year at New Abbey is moving towards this way of following Jesus. How in 2024 for a bunch of liberals in a political year who've deconstructed and asked questions and are figuring out, do we reintroduce Jesus in a way that makes sense for your life? Now that can be robust and bigger and universal and hold all kinds of things, but there's still a way that this Jesus offers us depth and relationship and care and presence And something broader and bigger than any of us can understand, it can hold our most intimate complexities and the complexities of the universe at the same time, that this way of Jesus should work for your life. And many of us were given a Jesus that wasn't supposed to work for our lives. It was just supposed to get us into an elevator, take us up somewhere at the end of things. And that is not what Jesus is interested in. So to talk about following this way of Jesus, we're going to talk about some things we're going to talk about Texas B-works, already did that. If we can do that, then we're going to talk about a yoke because sure, it's a Sunday morning. If we can talk about a yoke, then we'll talk about bet suffer. We have got a lot of Hebrew words going on this morning. If we can talk about bet suffer, then we're going to talk about the bet midrash, which I know you're all fired up for. And if we can do that, then you know, the Walt Disney company, my friends. And if we can talk about the Walt Disney company, then we'll talk about an apprentice. And if we can talk about what it means to be an apprentice, then we can talk about mapping out this road trip that we're on with one another. Follow along with me in Mark chapter 1. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. If you've been with us over the last couple weeks, we've just been like 12 verses into Mark over three weeks. We're going to read through all of Mark. So by 2027, we are going to have finished this book. It's going to be an incredible time with one another. Jesus introduces this good news because Jesus is good news. The way of Jesus is good news. Jesus shows us what it fully means to be human, to be connected with ourselves, to be connected with God, and to be connected with one another. That at Jesus' baptism, this good news is offered for all of humanity. That what's true of Jesus is true of you. If you ever hear somebody give you a version of God that sounds hateful and judgmental, and it's filled with fear, and it's filled with exclusion, then that's not Jesus. Jesus. Look to Jesus for the best of God and for the best of humanity. And if it doesn't match up to that Jesus, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to prove that to your aunt or uncle at the Thanksgiving table. You don't have to debate anybody on the Facebook comments or Instagram or wherever you're on. You don't have to do that. This Jesus is trying to show you a different version of good news. And this good news is rooted in the reality that every single one of you... By the way, I had way too much coffee this morning, apparently. (laughs) Let's just take a breath there and acknowledge some truth in Jesus' name. That this good, there you go, yeah, it's good, I like it. That this good news of Jesus is that all of us are children of God. That all of us are loved by God and that God is pleased with us. That's the good news. Are there caveats? Is anyone left out? No. And if anyone offers you any less of a version of that good news, it is not for you. So Jesus comes and he offers him good news as the time has come, the time is near, the time is present is what that means, that the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. If you don't live 2,000 years ago in a Jewish culture, there's a lot of this story that probably doesn't make sense for you. But in the ancient world around Jesus' time, there were rabbis. And these rabbis were luminaries of God's word of the scriptures. They lived out the scriptures in a way that was inviting people in to follow and understand God in their time. There was all kinds of famous rabbis. There was Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Gamaliel, and Jesus was a rabbi. And one of the things about these rabbis is around the age of 30, just like Jesus, they would go out and they would begin to recruit followers to their way of being. And Jesus was one of them. And one of the things that the rabbis all did is they would invite people into this yoke. Now, most of you don't live in an agrarian world, so we don't know what a yoke is. I remember being in a biblical studies class in college, and a girl heard the verse about, right, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And she said, I love that verse because I just dream of God cracking a yoke over me and just the Holy Spirit washing over me. (laughs) And my professor was very gentle and said, not that yoke, but I love that for you. This yoke is the agrarian yoke. It's a piece of wood that you would put over two oxen so that those oxen can work together and move together. So that in the field, if one of those oxen gets tired, the other one will carry some of the weight. And each of the rabbis would offer that image of a yoke to their disciples, to their students. Now different rabbis, just like different leaders or pastors or priests or whoever you follow, offer you a different yoke. Some people want a yoke that's stringent and difficult and pushes you. And Jesus said, but here is my yoke. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened. And we've all been there. For my yoke is easy and light. And the yoke that this rabbi was offering was this. I'm going to carry your burdens for you. I'm going to carry the weight when you cannot. The yoke that I offer will show you a different version of what it means to be human, a different version of who this God is. This yoke will challenge empires. It will challenge social structures. It will challenge familial. It will challenge the religious. It will invite you into kindness and gentleness. This yoke is revolutionary. The beautiful thing about this yoke is it's not about two disciples being yoked into this thing, is that Jesus, the one who eventually claims to be the very son of God, says, I will be in this yoke with you. So for all of you who have been weary and heavy burdened, you're not alone. So this rabbi is offering this in a new way. It's a different type of yoke than some of the other rabbis were offering back in the day. That there was this whole system that was in place that Jesus would have known about. For all of the Jewish children at the time, they would go to something called Bet Sefer. Bet just means house, like Bethel is the house of God. Sefer means the book. So it was the house of the book, and it was built like a next to the synagogue in each of these towns. And all of the children up to age 13 would go to sefer and there they would memorize the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the same thing that you did in Awanas, my friends. Gold stars, anybody? Anybody? Yes, praise be to God. And so they would memorize the Torah at that point. But for them, this wasn't evangelical Western Christianity where what you were memorizing was concepts about the Bible. This is a people group who were being oppressed by an empire. And they were reading the Torah because the story of Torah is a story that was revolutionary for their time. It was a story of the story of Exodus, a God who comes in and rescues slaves. God doesn't come for the powerful people in this story. God comes for those who are oppressed, and this God stands on their behalf. They heard these stories. They remembered these stories so that no matter what empire was holding them, they would remember that this God will always be there for them. These stories meant something different. These weren't gold stars for them. This was a way of being in this world. It was a reminder of stories that says, your God is the creator, and so you are creators, no matter what the empire tells you. It was a story that says, I'm going to show you a different way of being human. Those are the stories of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, that these stories were everything to them. So you would go to bet Zephyr, and then if you were a really good student from the age of 13 to 17, you would go to Bet-Midrash, Which was the house of understanding now the vast majority of students didn't go to bet midrash and i wish that we kind of use this language and this is something kind of new abby takes on Bet midrash was all about the ability to ask questions to doubt to wonder how many of you needed that as a teenager that when you came to the youth pastor and you asked the questions of how far is too far we know what you did. That maybe you got some different answers about what it means to live in human sexuality. Some different answers about what it means to live diversely in a world like ours in 2024. Maybe you just needed to ask questions in doubt and wonder because you're a teenager. that Midrash did that. They wanted you to ask questions. That's why we had sayings back in the day of Midrash. For every two rabbis there's at least three opinions. They wanted you to think They wanted you to challenge. They wanted you to say, what is going on there in Genesis 6 with the Nephilim? For you Bible nerds out there, you're welcome. For the rest of you, we'll move on. right? What's going on with these different passages? Because they wanted you to make it your own. They wanted you to get into your DNA, into your bones. These weren't just concepts and ideas that you were memorizing. This was so that your people would thrive. You needed these stories within you so that you could bring life to those around you. That's what mattered about Bet Midrash. Now, if you got through Bet Midrash and you were the best of the best of the best, you were the top of the class of Harvard MBA, then maybe at 17 a rabbi would come by one day and this rabbi would invite you to follow. But you had to be able to answer questions. You had to be an elite. You have had to do the work. And when we get to this story, what's going on here is clearly for Simon and Andrew and James and John and the other disciples that Jesus will call, none of them were the elites. None of them were the best of the best. None of them were the ones who had all of the training. And Jesus comes to them because this kingdom, this reality is for all people never just the top one percent and so jesus invites them with a different yoke into a different training and what jesus is inviting them into is not conversion god forgive us for converting so many people jesus never once talks about conversion the bible only talks about christians twice it talks about followers 268 times Because a follower is something very different than you mentally assenting to a set of beliefs or concepts and converting to something. How many of us converted to something, we raised our hand, God, I need your help, and you're going to rescue me from something, and you prayed so fervently for that thing to be taken away? And maybe it never did. Maybe it left you with more questions and more wonder. But Jesus comes along and says, no, let me show you a way of following me. Let me show you a way of being. Let me show you a way of life that may actually work for you. Jesus invited them to be students, to be apprentices, to be followers. And Jesus didn't lead them into a classroom to learn Greek and Hebrew, as I successfully got into a lot of theological debt for. Jesus invites them into real life. And Jesus says, this is what it will mean to be my apprentice. This is what it will mean to live my kind of life. And so as we go on this next year and as we look at Jesus, we're going to look at different things about Jesus as followers of of Jesus. One of the things we're going to look at is what does it just look like to be with Jesus? And now I know that sounds like, Corey, that's like the most evangelical thing I've heard you say in a long time. I know. But what I love about this community is, man, it's so much more robust and diverse than it's ever been before. If that thing for you is a hike, if that thing for you is contemplative, if that thing for you is meditation, if that thing, well, I don't care what the thing is but that within yourself you would begin to make room and see that this Jesus has always been with you. And I think that there's something in us in this room now, this new Abbey is evolving and changing, where so many of us long to be with this Jesus again as well. And Jesus has not gone anywhere. But may we have eyes to see, may we have ears to hear that this Jesus has always been there. We'll be invited into a journey to be like Jesus, that this rabbi is showing us a way of life of who we can be like I don't know about you, but I grew up in a family where they talked about good news all of the time, but it was a bunch of people who were doing a lot of bad things. And I don't mean that from a moral sense. I meant that they were assholes. (laughs) And it was always confusing to me. Wait a minute, you're the people who are going to populate heaven? I don't actually want to spend an eternity there. (laughs) And I think Jesus was aware of that even in his own time, the people who often so proclaim God are sometimes the people who treat others horribly or exclusively. And this Jesus says, no, I want you to be like me. I want you to see what I do and go where I go. I'm going to show you a world of kindness. I'm going to show you a world of compassion. I'm going to show you a world that even those people that you think that they're not human and they're not like you and they're not worth anything, we're going to have dinners at their table. We're going to Anthony Bourdain them like crazy. And we're going to realize, oh, they're humans after all. So if we can be with this Jesus and we can be like this Jesus, then Jesus will eventually, like in 2027 when we get there, he'll say things like every rabbi did. Now I want you to go do as I do. Go, and you make students of yourselves. You show people this kind of life. And so as we end, I just want to talk about three really quick things I think that this Jesus will offer us in this journey. The first is just wisdom. As I get to this point in my life, the thing that I realize that I want more than anything is not credentials or people who show me success, I want wisdom. I live in Los Angeles. I've been a pastor here for over 15 years, which means I've met wildly successful and rich and famous people. And wildly successful and rich and famous and all the things that we think that we want doesn't mean that you feel loved at night. Doesn't mean that you feel whole. Doesn't mean that you are living the life that you most deeply desire. And that's the thing that I want. I've known people with credentials of PhDs. I have known therapists. I have known other pastors. And I know there's all kinds of people in this world and influence, right, who give us a bunch of ideas and concepts. And the thing that I always ask myself at this point in life is, but do you have wisdom for me? And I find in my life the people I crave the most are people who are older, and I generally look for two things. There's two mentors in my life, and both of those mentors share something. One, they are truly wildly successful. They've built empires, they manage thousands of people, they do incredible things, and I've seen in my life, you've been able to hold all of that, but the second part's the most important part for me. Their adult children love to hang out with them. You built an empire, but your kids still want to come to dinner with you? Now we're talking. Because your kids are the greatest litmus test for you. And many of you have parents, and you know, your adult children still see your compassion, your kindness, your willingness to evolve, your willingness to grow and to change. Now that's interesting. Would you find wisdom on this journey? And this Jesus will offer us wisdom every step of the way. What Jesus is constantly breaking down is credentials. Jesus will bring us to all of the credentialed people of his time and he will point out that they don't always have wisdom. And for so many of us, I think that no matter where we're at in life, we're following somebody. We're listening to something. And what I'm always looking for is, but is your life working for you? Trust me, I don't go to therapists anymore if I don't know that their life is working for them. I don't go to certain people anymore if I don't know if their life is working for them. Not as a judgment of something's wrong with you, but I need wisdom in my life. I need something beyond credentials and knowledge and information. I want to know that you're living your life to the fullest, not in a state of perfection, but in the state of progress. And that's something that's interesting to me. And that's what this Jesus offers. I think what this Jesus also offers is just a road less traveled many of us grew up in the conservative world so we heard verses like this I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me or you heard verses like this it says narrow is the gate that re- leads to life but wide is the gate that re- leads to destruction and we were told these are verses about accepting Jesus and about hell they have nothing to do with that these are not just verses of exclusivity. What Jesus is saying is I am going to model a road for you that is less traveled. Because as a human being, things are going to happen to you in life. You will be betrayed. You will be hurt by those that love you the most. You will go through suffering. Loss will come your way. Death will take place. And the road widely traveled is when you hurt, you'll hurt everyone else back but I'm going to model something different for you. I'm going to model a world for you that when you get hurt and you go through your grief and your loss and your death and your betrayal, you will not transmit that pain. You will transform it. I will model for you going to death itself to a cross, and I will resurrect new life to show you that even in those places in your life that are the most God-forsaken, I will be there even in that. Jesus models for us something different. Jesus will model for us the most complex issues of our time. How do we deal with government? How do we deal with sociological structures? How do we deal with wealth? How do we deal with all of these things? Jesus will speak to all of it with wisdom. And Jesus will show us a road less traveled. And he will say, this is where you'll find life. And it takes a lot of work. But you know that in every other area, we were sold a cup of tea of a magical Santa Claus Jesus where we just pray the prayer and everything will work out perfectly for us. That is a convenient prayer for powerful people living in the West. And evangelical Christianity has been the most powerful Christianity that the world has ever seen. And Because we were the most powerful and richest Christians in the world, we were also able to like print Bibles and books and Left Behind series and tracks and send it all over the world. Some of you giggled, but it's true. And so we gave a version of good news to the world that was somehow easy. And you can be just like Jesus, but what we were really saying is you can be an American too. And this Jesus is saying, that's not good news. That's not the good news for you. The good news for you will be a road less traveled, but it will be a road that will actually work for your life. Would you come with me? Would you be yoked to me? And would you learn this? And finally, I end with this. That the thing I love most about this passage is that Jesus came to a couple of fishermen, to people who weren't qualified. And it's the Bible's beautiful narrative of saying, this is who Jesus wants as his disciples. All of us. All of us are qualified in this kingdom. That there is a God out there who is not waiting for you to be something else else. There is a God out there just like this God saw Andrew and James and Simon and John and the, all the other people and the woman caught in adultery and everyone who was hurt. Jesus sees us exactly where we're at. And Jesus is not requiring us to believe in him. I think it's one of those beautiful passages where Jesus is saying, but I believe in you. I believe in exactly where you're at. And I have a life for you. A life that can work for you. I've come that you may have life and life to the fullest. That's the invitation for us this year at New Abbey a different kind of kingdom, a different type of good news, one that can hold all stories, one that can be universal and bigger than anything that we imagine, one that can evolve and grow in 2024 as the world deals with AI and as we go to Mars and get into electric cars or whatever else is ahead for us, that there's a God out there who is not scared of our progress but has already been way ahead of it. Even as we advance as a society, it is in our hearts that we still need growth and maturity and transformation, and this Jesus offers us that good news you find the same three or four people in which you answer this question with one another how can you practice following the way of Jesus